classic, timeless, and collectible cars. Crown Collector Car Auctions presents the Florida Fall Classic, October 14th and 15th at the Florida State Fairgrounds in Tampa. Broadcast live on the Internet to buyers around the world. Space is limited, so reserve your spot in the greatest collector car auction in Florida this fall. Visit crowncollectorcars.com or call 855-552-7696. That's 855-552-7696 and consign your car today. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage sport and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, a.m. 1340. Hi, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If you'd like to play golf, Magnolia Valley Golf Club is offering some specials this week. Give them a call up there at 727-847-2342. They have a 9-hole executive course, and they have an 18-hole par 72. And they've got great food on the 19th hole. So call my friend Pete at 727-847-2342. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. I'm a hot rodder. I'm an innovator. B.I. Coca called me in uh, 1964, right after the Mustang came out, and says, we want to make a race car out of this. I says, the thing is a secretary's car. Uh, I don't I don't think it can be done. I says, let's uh, take the V8 and hop it up to 300, 315, 20 horsepower. Let's uh, change the brakes. Let's change the suspension. Let's take the rear seats out. And uh, let's turn it into a sport car. The man, Carroll Shelby, engineer, race driver. The car, the Shelby Mustang GT. To build my kind of car, I had to take an existing car and modify it. I could have chosen any set of wheels I wanted. I picked Mustang. Mustang is style right. Lean and strong looking, not fat and round. And Mustang has that long list of features and options. I'll tell you, when it comes to imitations, I've seen some, but competition for the original, I haven't seen any. Only Mustang makes it happen. These aren't just words, it's a fact. Ford has a better idea. Gentlemen, start your engines. Hey, 
Hey, listeners, welcome, and you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Uh, run to your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live in the studio. I'm waving right now, so that way, that's your radio check. And, uh, hey, we got a great show for you tonight, and we have a very, very, very special guest this evening. And, uh, hey, Cedric, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. You did real good. Thank you. You did a great job there at the beginning. And uh, our, our guest host, uh, Chris, he's on uh, location this evening, but we'll tune in to him in a few minutes. Uh, that's uh, Chris from Collector Crown Collector Car Auctions. But at any rate, uh, so, hey, we got some. Uh, we got a couple good songs, but I'll tell you what, I'm really excited about tonight's show. So let's get into that first song. Give me one second. Give you one second? Okay, well, I'll just blab a little bit. Hey, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a couple guys tonight, the local guys that work on... Uh, since our feature tonight is about Shelby's, and uh, our uh, one of the guys here locally in town is a real good friend of ours. It's called Dom. Uh, his name is Dom Forte, and Dom has a uh, place in St. Pete in Pinellas Park, actually on 66th Street, called uh, Forte's Automotive and Marine. Now, Dom's been around, God, since I've known. Uh, he's, he kind of grew up in this area here, and he is probably the foremost Mustang Shelby Boss Expert when it comes to working on these cars. So if you need your car restored, if you need your cars worked on, if you just need some uh, you know, consulting on your car mechanically or anything like that, give Dom Forte at Forte's Automotive. That's 727-544-6440. 727-544-6440. Down in Pinellas Park. He's right on 66th Street. And Dom can really straighten your stuff out. And, and not only that, I can say that too because not only is Dom... Dom's a man that practices what he preaches. He has in his possession a beautiful 68 GT500 KR Shelby uh, fastback four-speed car. And he also has a 67 dual quad four-speed Shelby. Beautiful car, Acapulco Blue. Great, great, great looking car. And uh, and he's got a beautiful 65 or 66 Mustang convertible 289 four-barrel automatic car that just chirps the gears and chirps second gear at 60 miles an hour. It's an amazing little car. Very, very stock, very, very original, bought it off original owner car. So we'll get into some of that stuff, too. And then a big shout-out to my friend Pete Geisler at Orlando Mustang. If you need another, if you're in the Orlando area and you need your car restored or if you need uh, some consulting on as far as mechanical and miscellaneous stuff like that, you want to give Pete at Orlando Mustang a call. And Pete is a Shelby expert, another boss expert, another Mustang expert. His number is 407-688-1966, 407-688-1966. Pete, as well as myself, we're both uh, state reps for the Shelby, Automer- Shelby American Automobile Club. Okay, that's here in the state of Florida. There's one other guy in South Florida, but uh, we're going to talk about Pete and myself, of course, because we're the two local guys here that really get into this kind of stuff. Pete attends a lot of the Shelby meets. I attend a lot of the Shelby meets. So I'm just really, really excited about this show. I guess you can tell it in my voice, right, Cedric? I can tell. Are we all queued up just about? Yeah. What do you want to hear? You want to hear some Merle Hagger? Yeah, or? let's hear some Merle Hagger, and then let me know what the status is of our guest tonight, because I really want, I want to get him on early, because I'm really, really excited to have you, this gentleman on tonight. You got it, man. All right, okay. let's do this. States where the ones who need it work. Let the rest of the world help us for change and let's rebuild America first. Our highways and bridges are falling apart. Who's blessed and who has been cursed? There's things to be done all over the world, but let's rebuild America first. 
watching the valley Who's in charge of it all God bless the army And God bless our liberty That come the rest of it all Damn in position of back and away Freedom is stuck in reverse Let's get out of Iraq Get back on track And let's rebuild America first Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, and nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Okay, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And like I said earlier, we have a great show tonight. We have a an amazing guest. Now, they told me during the break I should just calm down and settle down a little bit, so I'm going to count to ten, take a couple deep breaths, because I'm really excited. But at any rate, uh, since we're uh, – hey, we got our guest on the line? Is that – oh, okay, well, just about hang, – hang on, ladies and gentlemen. I think we have our guests. Okay, so – here we go. goes into preparing the cars for each separate race. Each circuit's a little different. Daytona, for instance, has bank turns, and Sebring's as flat as a pancake. So he set up the cars a little differently. By the middle of the afternoon, the pace is just too hot for some, and the field begins to thin out. And now the durability of our engines and components pay off. And we're running one, two, three, four. And round and round they go. And still, the GTs and Cobras hold up. Finally, one more lap. 
and then it's all over. And the big board places the overall winner, and yours truly is back in the winner's circle, along with Ford and two great drivers. Okay, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. Now, let me tell you about this gentleman. This gentleman, over the last 60 years, has been one of the most accomplished and recognized individuals in the automotive world. He's been an inspiration to many, and to myself especially. My special guest for the evening, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome the legendary Carol Shelby to the show. Carol, are you there? I'm here. How you doing? I'm doing okay. You remember when you did that commercial? Which one was it? Well, it was the one where you're talking about the uh, four the GTs and the Cobras going around the track, and they came in one, two, three, and four. Do you remember that? I think that was done 50 years ago. 50 years ago. Okay. That's when you were on top. <laughs> that was at Le Mans when we ran one, two, three. Okay. We won it the next year, but we didn't go one, two, three. We went. We won the race, but 66 uh, was the big year when uh, Henry Ford wanted to really get even with Ferrari for not selling out to him, I guess. So he gave us, and when the cars blew up in 1965, he uh, had uh, the three of us, uh, Leo Beebe and I and Ray Geddes and, and Don Fry in his office, and he had nameplates made for us. Ford wins Le Mans in 1966. Well, that gave everybody immediate dysentery because don't just go over and win Le Mans because Henry Ford wants it done. It took uh, it took a lot of people and a lot of work, but we got her done. Well, you know, one of the things that I want to comment, too, is I'm one of the state reps for the Shelby Club. And I've been a, a Shelby collector since the mid-70s. Yeah, and I know you have. The thing that amazed me, that impressed me about your organization, as and have gone to a number of the uh, Shelby meets over the years, last 30 years, the general consensus is that you were so capable of putting together the right team, the right group of people to make Carol Shelby and his organization function. So having said that, is it it's really, really, truly depends on the teamwork and the camaraderie of the, of the people that you assemble, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Nobody ever does anything. You might, uh, all I've done is, uh, I'm not an engineer. I call myself an imagineer. Uh, I am not capable of anything. I was just an ex-race car driver that uh, decided in 1950 that I would like to build my own car. And with a friend of mine in Dallas, we started to build one, and I saw I didn't know how. So uh, I said, well, I better get out there and drive race cars for a little while and, and move around and see these other companies. And three years later, I was uh, I was driving for Aston Martin in England, and that gave me a uh, chance to stay mobile and go to see uh, all the different factories, Ferrari, Maserati, uh, Aston Martin, Jaguar, all the uh, teams that had racing teams. And that led me over a period of six, seven years where I thought I was ready to go build my own car. Now, the Cobra was uh, the first one that you, uh, embarked on, and that was the one that you, you acquired the cars from AC Bristol. Now, there's a rumor. No, that's not the first one. That's not the first one? Oh, no. I had a deal with Ed Cole at Chevrolet. Okay. He gave me three Corvettes. I took them Scalietti in uh, in Italy, and uh, we started putting aluminum bodies on them, trying to take some weight out of them. That's before I got smart enough to know that you take weight out of a car when you draw the first line, not after it's built. And uh, we, we had them about three-quarters, seven-eighths finished, and he called me one night and he says, uh, Shelby, I never gave you those three Corvettes. It's, uh, it's come to uh, the chairman's attention, and Zora Duntoff and McKenzie uh, don't want the, they don't want a competitor inside the company. So that went away. By the way, those cars sell for way over a million dollars now. 58 Corvette chassis with uh, 
Scanty Eddie Bodies. And I built a couple of cars, started a couple of cars. That's the reason I moved to California, because I didn't think that I could have ever gotten it done in Dallas, Texas, because the magazines were published out here, the hot rodders were out here. So anyway, that's that's where I got to California, and I built a couple of cars out here that, that didn't cut it. Along came uh, the, the little Ford engine, the little thin wall cast iron engine, and AC lost their Bristol contract, so I thought, well, see if I can put that together. And sure enough, uh, I got to Icoca through uh, two or three other people that I talked to at Ford in the meantime, and uh, and Icoca's the one that uh, gave me the $25,000 to build two prototypes. I could build a car that'd blow the Corvette off in the weeds if he'd loan me $25,000. And he said, well, maybe we better give that guy $25,000 before we buy it somebody. That's where the Cobra came from. Okay. And of course, you know, I mean, not to rehash a lot of this stuff, but these stories, and there's numerous books written about all this stuff too, but some of the other things that you did, I mean, like, for example, I didn't know about the Scaglietti-bodied uh, Corvettes that you did. Are there some other oddball things that you were involved with in the early 60s before the days of Cobra and Shelby Automotive? No, not anything that was significant because uh, it was a learning curve, and I didn't, uh, the, the Cobra was the first thing at work. I was told not long ago that I'd build 135 different prototypes, and about six of them have worked, so uh, <laughs> you actually... never know. <laughs> I'll go build something knowing I'm going to lose money because it's something that I want to build, and I've never been motivated by money particularly, but... Uh, as long as I have enough to build another prototype and see if I can go pedal it. What are uh, some of the, um, well, that brings us to fast forward to today. And uh, so Shelby Automotive is in Las Vegas, right? Yeah, and, Shelby American. Shelby American. And what are some of the projects that you're working on right now? Well, we're building the GT350, which has a new 5-liter with uh, 625 horsepower. 24, I'm sorry. And then uh, we take the uh, GT500s that I build with Ford and uh, uh, take that and build the Super Snakes. And the Snooper Snakes, what are they? They're like, what, six, seven, eight hundred horsepower? Something well, like that? they're 700 horsepower, 800 horsepower. Now I'm building one with 1,000 horsepower, and that's what I'm involved with right now, doing a lot of test work on that. You know, anybody can go build a car with, or a lot of people can go build a car with 1,000 horsepower, but it takes months of development to see that it's treatable, that uh, that it's a pleasure to drive instead of just another hot rod with a loping camshaft. Now, you were talking once before, and I remember listening listening to you at one of the uh, seminars that, like you said, anybody can go build a high-horsepower car, but you've got a lot of engineering, a lot of testing. Now, how much is Ford is involved quite a bit in, in these new Mustangs, right? As far yeah, as... Ford is my partner now. Okay. And uh, we have a... Uh, we have a... Yeah, hold on just a second. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, we have a uh, contract with Ford that uh, they build the GT500s. And uh, they build five or 6,000 of those a year, and then we take them, the customer buys them, we take the GT500 and put, we were putting 600 horsepower in it, now we put seven, eight, nine hundred horsepower. I'm building some with a thousand horsepower now, and that's uh, that's a little difficult to, uh, we, we've licked all the problems, we're not breaking anything, we have 900 foot-pounds of torque, so the development of something like that, you know, is a period that takes quite a bit of time. We have uh, five or 6,000 miles on it. Now. now, this is a car. You're going to Las Vegas tomorrow. You're doing some testing on this thing tomorrow, correct? 
Yeah, that's right. Now, these kind of cars, now, is this a 1,000 horsepower? Is this something that I can go buy and, dr- and run on pump gas and drive every day, back and forth to yep. work if I want to? You can to? run it on 91, and you can drive it every day. It'll idle at 700 RPM. It has all the amenities, not every amenity, but air conditioning and uh and it's a, it's a pleasure to drive. My wife's driving one around right now. Okay. Now, is this basically what? If you can get this in the automatic version and in the six-speed? Is that the way that works? No, nope. six-speed is the only thing it comes with. Six-speed, okay. Yeah, we have, we don't have an automatic that take the 900 foot-pounds of torque right now. Of course, 98% of the people will never use the 1,000 horsepower, but it's nice to have it. And there's a certain little cliche of people that, uh, that like to have something that's different like that. Now, what's the inspiration for building something with a 1,000 horsepower? Is that just because you can, or is there really, you know, like you said, is there a niche market for that? Well, there's three or four people that uh, build things with a lot of horsepower, but they don't uh, usually uh, do all the development work that it takes. If you build something like that and it works, the magazines put you on the cover, and uh, you get a lot of publicity out of it, which builds our brand. Now, speaking now that kind of ties into the old days when, uh, what was it, win a race on Sunday and sell a car on Monday. So it's Yeah, almost that was 50 years ago. That was Ford's motto. <laughs> that was Ford's motto. So Ford coined that, basically, right? That yeah. cliche? Okay, super. Hey, let's talk about some of the other prototypes that you've been involved with in the last decade here. One of the cars that I thought was really stunning was the Ford GR1. Is that what it was? That looked like a Daytona? Yeah. Uh, they just sold that chassis without an engine transmission up at the auction in uh, Monterey the other day. So, now, was that car supposed to go into production, or it never did, or what happened there? Well, no, you build prototypes, and you, I built, as I told you, I didn't realize I built 135 of them, but somebody told me that. You build them, and you you have to analyze what the cost is going to be, what, uh, what you think the demand of, uh, for something like that is. Like right now, I get people coming to me every day wanting to go be my partner and build a supercar. Well, there's about 25 people building supercars, and I don't know anybody that's making any money. Ferrari may be making a little money, but in this economy, there's too many people out there. There's a lot of people that are capable of building them, but I don't think that the market's out there for that many. I'm not going to get in that. I'd rather have something that people drive around the street every day, like Mustangs that we build. With 1,000 horsepower. (laughs) Well, 1,000 with 500, 600, something like that. Doesn't have to be a thousand. We'll give any number up to a thousand that you would like. And in fact, we've had the engine on the dyno, that fabulous uh, Ford engine, that four valve engine, that uh, we could put 1500 horsepower in it if we wanted to and it would live. But uh, I think that'd be a little ostentatious. Now, 1,000 horsepower, These, am I correct in assuming these are supercharged motors, correct? Yes, that's correct. I, I built some with, with twin turbos, but uh, I'm going to stick with a supercharger as long as I can get what I want because, you know, that a supercharger is instantaneous power. And uh, although turbos are free, they're a lot more expensive. And the, the customer will have a little more problems with them. The supercharger basically is old technology in a way, too. Well, they both are, actually. But uh, in terms of instantaneous power and longevity and reliability, the supercharger is the way to go over turbo, then, is what you're saying. Uh, that's, that's what I've decided to do on this particular car. What's I'm, uh, I'm putting, I'm taking my Ford GT and, uh, and putting twin turbos on it and... Uh, uh, behind the supercharger, which, uh, you know, I'll get probably 14, 1500 horsepower just to see. I may drive it along, see, see if I can, uh, see how fast I can go in it sometime. You're talking about having a supercharger and then you're going to have it backed up with twin turbochargers on top of that? Yeah. Okay. So that you get an extra three, four or 500 horsepower on top of that. I got it. That works. Yep. 
All right, now these are what? What side? What's the displacement on these engines? Is this five four? Five or four. Okay, and that engine's it's a four valve. It's a fabulous engine built by Ford. I think it's the it's the best high performance engine on the market today. It has more potential and gives you less problems when you put. Uh, uh, high horsepower in it. Now, if, since you're familiar with, with all aspects of the automotive world, remember the day when you were doing the Auroras, the uh, sh- the Series 1 Shelbys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, that was an Aurora engine, which was basically Oldsmobile or Cadillac design. I'm not sure which one it was. But Oldsmobile. How, well, okay. How did that motor compare to, let's say, like the Ford's uh, four-valve engine? Twin over well, engine? it was a four-valve engine. Right. The General Motors built that. They're still building it. Uh, they still build that engine, and it's a good engine. I just happen to like the Ford engine. Uh, you know, we built it in Germany. It's a, it's a fabulous engine. I'm not knocking. I, I'm not here to knock my competition. No, no, no. I understand that, but I'm just saying in terms of. So, in other words, for for your application, obviously, it's a Ford because you're involved with Ford. But and, and what I'm trying to get at basically is that you know the GM motors, the Chrysler engines, they all have basically a four valve twin cam engine. So and, the, yeah, and Chrysler doesn't. I don't think. I think that Chrysler. Uh, I don't know of any uh, over uh, any uh, four valve engines they're building. Chrysler's not wrong. But uh, when I built the uh, Viper. That's the one. When we built the Viper, I had a lot to do with it. In fact, uh, I built the first Viper, and then I had to have a heart transplant, and they moved it back to uh, Detroit and finished it. So but, the, uh, okay. It was it was all push rod. The Viper still push rod engine. Okay. Shows how much I know. I, mean, I haven't really haven't been following the Viper motors or the Viper development. Yeah. But they phased that. Yeah, that, they're still alive. They're okay. building things. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's true. Well, that that brings me to another question. What do you think of the automobile industry today? Where do you think its future is, you know, between Ford, GM, and Chrysler? Well, I went to Africa in 1968 when uh, the regulations went for safety and, and emissions. And you, we lost racing. We really, we really lost performance for 30 years or at least 20 years, and uh, now we have fabulous cars because of electronics. They're wonderful. Uh, you, the, most of the, of the simple problems that you have with an automobile now, you plug a computer into it, tells you exactly what's the matter with it, and you take the part away and throw it away and, uh, and just plug another one in. The automobile today is so much uh, more reliable uh, with variable valve timing and all that stuff, and with the computer's now you can get a lot more horsepower out of an engine, a lot smoother, without having to uh, change so many uh, pieces and parts on it. The old shade tree mechanic, there's a few of them left, and uh, I guess you'd call me one of them, but uh, they're out of business as far as that goes for the future because the automobile is a different, uh, different cat than what it was 50 years ago. What do you think is going to happen with fuels in the future, and how much longer do you think uh, you know, internal combustion engines will be around? Well, you got hybrids. I, I, I put the money up to build an AC brushless motor, 19 uh, electric motor, which makes hybrids possible in seven, back in the 70s. And uh, you have hydrogen. I don't think hydrogen will ever be. I, I, I think if you see hydrogen uh, automobiles out there, they'll have to figure out some way to, to make hydrogen a lot cheaper than they do now. Electrics, I still don't think the batteries come up to uh, have enough energy that you can take a car and uh, and drive it three or four three or four hundred miles electrically. I really think that the auto cycle engine is going to be around for thirty or forty years because we worked so long and gotten it to the to the point where 
emissions are, are not, to me, they're not a problem anymore. I guess they are to uh, to the uh, politicians in Washington, but I think that uh, the auto cycle engine is, uh, is something that uh, is going to be with us a long time. What about fuel efficiency? Do you think we're going to make some big strides in fuel efficiency in terms of uh, mileage? Well, sure. You can build small engines now and put a lot of horsepower in them. Cars probably, a lot of the cars won't be as big as they are now. Smaller cars are a great demand right now. Now, I think we're going to stay with gasoline for a hell of a long time. The thing that uh, that I'm working on right now, one of the things is, is ethanol. And I think that the government is making a horrible mistake in running up the price of corn and trying to make ethanol out of corn because you get very little, you, you get more uh, ethanol out of a bale of hay than you do uh, wasting corn. You take the ethanol out of corn and all the cattle feed is still there. And yet the government is uh, taking all the corn. You know, and running the price up. Right. And you can take grass and cut. Essentially do the same thing. And do the same thing. Yeah. In fact, I'm building a steel now. Well, no, the reason I say that is because you listen to a lot of people on the radio and TV, and it seems like some of these people want us to have small cars, small motors, and yeah, granted, you can get horsepower out of them, but I still think that you can get, and, and you're you know, you're going in that direction, you can get great horsepower out of a mid-sized V8, and you can still get efficiency. I mean, when you can take, like, this motor that you're talking about, let's just say, you know, if I Point four liter Ford motor, overhead cam, four valve engine, and you can get twenty five to thirty miles a gallon around town, full power and air, and still have five hundred horsepower at your throttle. That's amazing, I think. And oh, I think if- sure, I've got a six cylinder Mustang now with just a little cheap supercharger that got five hundred horsepower, and uh, and we're getting thirty six seven miles a gallon on the highway. You can take a two and a half liter engine, and uh, by the time you uh, twin turbocharger, which the factories can do that a lot cheaper than I can because they'll build two million of them. And uh, you're going to see you're going to see the auto cycle engine get uh, get things that they're not there with electrics. Now, uh, one of the great disappointments in my life is seeing uh, the administration give uh, half a billion dollars to these companies that are trying to build electric cars now, and uh, it doesn't work. Not going to work because... The battery technology? The battery technology isn't there. You know, until 15 years ago, battery technology was the same. It was in 1890, the old lead acid. Mm-hmm. And we are making headway now, but we're not putting enough energy, not storing enough energy to give the cars the range. All there'll be is there'll be doodle bugs that go to the grocery store. <laughs> like little smart cars or something that, yeah, like that. Yeah, something that, uh, that I'm not interested in, but uh, there's a lot of people and the government's putting a lot of money into these things, but they're not putting it into battery technology. They're putting it, they're trying to make uh, big full-size sedans that are, you know, they're electric, and that's not going to work. Well, hey, let's change gears here for a second. I want to talk about one of your former employees, Tweedy. Remember Tweedy? The fact oh, Tweedy's a guess, he's the best painter that ever lived. You got some good Tweedy stories? How about the stories about Guardsman Blue? <laughs> Guardsman Blue. I guess that's a pretty good story. You know, we used to have... Uh, seven or eight painters all the time and uh what happened to painters and i certainly don't want to say anything derogatory about painters because they're a big part of the automobile business but back then they used to sniff their product on saturday night and sunday night a lot of them were known as uh imbibers of of alcohol and they wouldn't show up on monday morning so what i had to do was uh start sending checks to their wives the ones that we knew uh on a tuesday and uh that way, we, we got them so that they were coming to work on Monday morning, some of them. 
Scars went blue. Every time you'd change, every time they didn't show up, there'd be another painter there, and he'd give you his version of the Guardsman Blue. So all of these people that out there, there's there's a thousand people out there that have bought early Cobras and, and Mustangs, and uh, the Guardsman Blue was a figment of the imagination because it changed about every two weeks. So there is no real Guardsman Blue. It's just whatever. No. <laughs> no. But you, you'll find a lot of people. This is the real Guardsman Blue. I know the real Guardsman Blue. Nobody knows a Guardsman Blue because it's whichever painter decided to uh, put how much blue in it. Well, when I see, sweetie. He's doing pretty good. He's in a nursing home right now, but he's hanging in there. Yeah, I know he is. But my sons still have their helmet that they value very highly that Tweety did for them. So give Tweety a kiss. Pat him on the back whenever you see him because he was a big part of Shelby America. That's right. And now tell us a little about some of the other guys that uh, work with... And by the way, thank you for taking care of him. Okay, no, that's my pleasure, my pleasure, really. I mean, I'd still take him to the shows with us, but unfortunately... Where he's at, you know, liability reasons, they won't let me take him out, so and I can understand right, that. Anyway. A lot of the old employees like that. Jack what? Corey, God, you know, every every spring we go up to Willow Springs and take all the old guys up there, and now they're 85, 90 years old, but we were up there this spring, and uh, I try to have a special day for them every year because they did something that nobody else has ever done since then. No American has ever gone over and won the world championship since these hot rodders and these people put it together and they're the ones that did it. All I did was hire them. Now, that's true, too. Elaborate a little bit on that, that uh, Carol Shelby and the Daytona Coupe is the only American manufacturer to ever win the uh, world championship. So do you want to talk about that for a second? That was the world championship then. We knew that the Cobra was like pushing a brick bat through the air. So uh, Pete Brock was a young guy that had graduated from art school. And uh, I said to him, uh, he taught the driving school very efficiently. Pete can do a lot of things. But he had graduated from art school. And I said, can you draw up something that, uh, that we uh, might penetrate the air better? I'm thinking of something that I might need it for. I didn't tell them that I planned to try to go to Europe, but we were beating the Corvette so bad over here it wasn't even a contest anymore. And uh, so he said, yeah, I can draw it up. So he drew it up. We built a mold. And I had a friend named Benny Howard that uh, was the greatest subsonic aerodynamics person uh, in the world at the time. He'd built the Howard airplane, won the Bendix Trophy races four or five times. Anyway, we finished it. Ken Miles, John Collins took it out to Riverside. Back in, came off the ground at 140 miles an hour. Well, Phil Remington, uh, Al Dowd, Ken Miles, and John Collins worked for about three or four months to get it so that we thought that it would would stay on the ground and try and get enough air to the the drivers. And we took it to Daytona and led the race. But I was looking through what Benny Howard drew up for me. Says, you know, the cam effect is, uh, is, is a lousy way to uh, to get rid of the air at the back end. And I thought, well, I guess so, but we all we were already far enough along with the Daytona that I wouldn't change it. But Benny had uh, drawn up the 917 Porsche 10 years before the 917 Porsche came along with the extended back end. So if I'd have listened to him, we would never have had to go through all the development work. The, the, the Daytona Coupe's a beautiful car, but it's not near as aerodynamic as uh, it appears. As beautiful it is, we uh, we should have built the 917 Porsche, and I'll always be sorry because uh, Benny spent a lot of time explaining to me why, and I wasn't smart enough aerodynamic-wise, and at the time, Pete wasn't, and uh, to listen to him. 
But still, you brought home the championship. That's the most important thing. We got the championship in 64. We should have won it. Uh, Ferrari canceled the last race of the year, which he could do in Italy. So anyway, that's that on the, on the Daytona Coupe. It's uh, a fabulous car. They're still building them in South Africa. I don't still don't think they make a very good road car, but uh, a lot of people do. I guess they're selling some of them. Good-looking car. How about Texas Chili? Tell us about Carroll Shelby, Texas Chili. Which oh, you I had a ranch down in Texas. And uh-huh. Didn't know how to sell it. And I went to a friend of mine that had been in Ford PR. had moved to Dallas. And I said, what can we do about selling this ranch? He said, give me two weeks. And he came back and said, we're going to have the world's first championship chili cook-off. So we had it and invited 300 people. People from the press, and it became uh, Terlingua. The Terlingua cook-off became famous worldwide. And uh, I thought, well, I'll make. A, I think that I'll make a chili recipe of whoever wins it, and uh, just give it away to my friends. And the first thing you know, somebody said, "Al Dowd, I think says, let's go try to sell this." It became the biggest seller in the country over a period of about five or six years. I just started out in Los Angeles, and, and uh, finally wound up in every grocery store. And then I sold it to Kraft, and they sold it to an outfit in New Orleans named O'Reilly Foods, and they're still making it. Yeah, because it's still on the shelves today. I've seen it here still recently. Still on the shelf day. Carol Shelby Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that and what's that well, committed to. When I had my heart transplant in 1990, I was laying there, and a young boy on uh, each side of me died because there wasn't a heart. And uh, so I said to the old man upstairs that, uh, give me uh, get me a heart, and I'll see if I can do a little bit to see that we don't lose this many people and uh, that was 21 years ago and uh, we put hearts and livers and quite a few children however the government's into it now so that I've changed it so it's it's more of an educational thing than a, than a medical thing but it's a small foundation that I run myself uh, I don't want it to be big enough I see these charities that all the administrators run away with the money so this way every dime we get goes to it goes to the foundation put money in it and uh, I Sign, uh, I sign about 500 old Mustang uh, glove compartment doors a week that people send them in. And we get a little money for that, and I put a little in it, and a few people uh, put money in it. So I don't ever want it to get big. So if somebody wants to contact the uh, Carroll Shelby Foundation, how would they go about doing that? Well, we have our uh, our websites, and I can't tell you exactly what they are because I've got so many little companies that I can't keep up with all the websites. But it's uh, area code 310 four and uh jenny shreves runs it and uh anybody that would like to get in touch with us they can google carol shelby and they'll get all the information okay also another thing what uh where do you go from here what's uh what else do you have on the horizon what other projects are you i'm 88 years old now i'll be 89 in january and i take it a day at a time you know that old cliche don't buy any i don't buy any green bananas but uh (laughs) i'm concentrating on the thousand horsepower car the gt350 number one uh priority is the GT500 that we build with Ford. I'm the luckiest man alive that I have a contract with Ford that runs the rest of my life. Edsel is my friend. People at Ford are my friends. And uh, I'm going to play out just whatever we want to do together. And that's uh, that's the way it's going to be from here to here till I go flat. Okay. Hey, back in the uh, 60s, you were involved shortly there. I was it a year or two you were involved in Trans Am racing, right? With, uh, with the Cougars or the Mustangs? Oh, I got into that and that was a mess you know we just won the world championship
dealership, and uh, Bunky Newton, uh General Motors, had, you know, he hated me because we'd been kicking the hell out of the Corvette all those years, and I went back to meet with Icoca one Monday morning, and they said, uh, Bunky Newton is the new, new president of the company. I said, it's time Shelby left, and uh, I'd, uh, I'd gotten into the uh, Trans Am thing, but any of the drivers that I wanted, uh, by then, Gurney had a Chrysler contract, and uh, I'd started Mark Donahue out. He drove for me before he was with Roger, and uh, there weren't any real good drivers available, and I didn't get along with the uh, the people that ran racing at Ford at the time. I get along perfect with them now. We have, really have a great relationship. I wish I had a relationship many years ago that I have now. I dropped out of the Can-Am thing because uh, I saw that uh, I wasn't going to be competitive, and after winning the world championship racing all over the world, uh, I wasn't much interested in it anyway. And then, was that right about the time, sir, when uh, you sold out to Shelby, or sold Shelby out to Ford, and so from the 68, 69, and 70 production years, those cars were built in... Uh, I, didn't, I didn't sell out to them. I just said I didn't want to do it anymore because oh, okay. the Mustang was so big, it wasn't a race car, and I was I was interested in a car that you could rake, take out and race or drive down the street. Okay. And then that's when you took the... Uh, you left the United States for a while, and you went on this big safari, and... Uh, and so- oh, I went on... I went to Africa, and then I decided I stayed most of the year in Africa for about 10, 12 years. Whereabouts were you in Africa? Oh, I was all, a lot of places. Angola, Botswana, South Africa. And I wound up nine years in Central African Republic, right on the equator. No kidding. So what were you doing most of the time when you were there? Were you? Just... I, had, I had a hunting company, and uh, they had pink diamonds and uh, and the elephants that uh, long, thin tusks. And uh, I just traded diamonds and made a living, traveled around Africa. I wanted to see it. Okay. You were an avid pilot at one time, too, right? So I flew to... in the Air Force for five years during the last war. I was a flying sergeant, and then they uh, missioned us, made us flight officers. Uh, Bob Hoover, the greatest pilot that ever lived, and Chuck Yeager, we were all flying sergeants. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and I've had airplanes ever since. And uh, I think you were telling me one time you were even messing around with those little... Uh, little Ultralights. Ultralights. I did that because I had uh, open heart surgery in 1970, and they wouldn't give you a pilot's license for a while, but you could, if you had a driver's license, you could fly those things around, but they kill more people than they help, so I quit that. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been really, really great having you on the show. There's just some other sto- How about some other stories? You got some good stories for us? One or two more before you... Oh, uh, I can't think of anything else. I mean, you know, we've covered about everything, and uh, I thank you, Robert, for taking care of que- Tweety, and uh, you're doing a great job. Uh, I'm glad you're a Shelby fan, and anything that, uh, that I can ever do with you, just let me know. I appreciate that. Oh, one more thing. How about the the, the Super Snake Dragster that, uh, that Don Perdome piloted, that was what, 1968? Oh, yeah. Don Perdome is a friend of mine to this day, and uh, he was just getting started, and I believed at the time that he was uh, one of the best young people to go places, and I helped him get an engine at Ford and uh, the, the overhead cam engine, and uh, he did a great job, and uh, uh, those were good years together. I'm interested in drag racing. I watched it all day yesterday. Okay. You and we did we had Ford Force uh, one again for us. Well, that's good. Now, you're also involved in what, uh, or there a while back, you were doing a project with Don Perdome, some special Mustang you were building, Shelby yeah, Mustang? Yeah, we built Mustang with Don Perdome, uh-huh. Just built a few of them. And they were called the Shelby Super Snake, correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay, and they built, what, like 50 of 
those is what you're working on? Did you build? That's what we're working on. I don't think we quite built 50, but we'll still build one if somebody wants one. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I certainly appreciate you coming on the show. I know you got to hurry up and get ready because you got to fly out to Vegas here in a little bit and get ready for that. But I do want to thank you for coming on the show. And uh, would you be willing to come on the show again sometime? Yeah, give me a call sometime. And uh, we'll get together and uh, maybe I'll see. Well, I'm certain. I, there's no doubt that I'll see you at one of the Shelby meets. And uh, I'm going to, you know, one thing I did enjoy very much, and I don't remember uh, his, his last name, but you used to have a gentleman out in Vegas. His name was Bob. And uh, I met him in the early, in late 90s, early 2000. And he was gracious enough to let me tour the factory in Las Vegas out there. Unfortunately, I can't remember. I think he had Lou Gehrig's disease and he passed away. Bob was his name. It was before Amy and them. But the thing that amazed me about One the, of the greatest guys that ever lived. Yeah, he was. His sp- son, Jonathan, still works for me out there. Uh, he, he, when I was at Chrysler and we had, we produced all those cars uh, with Chrysler, he was in charge of production there. And uh, then he was in charge of production and Lou Gehrig's got him. Yeah. Super Horrible nice. disease. Really. But I was just amazed when I, I was able to tour the factory and just to see the organization, it was so reminiscent of the pictures that I saw back in the 60s of how, you know, the operation was done in, in Venice and then when you moved over to the airport. And this is amazing. It's just in a complete little, small little assembly line where they were building the Cobras and you could get the fiberglass bodied cars, you could get the aluminum bodied cars. I mean, you just spec the car out and it's just, it's an incredible operation and I'm glad you're still doing it. We're still doing it. You're still doing it. That's good. All right, <laughs> all right, Carol, we'll let you go. I know you got to get going here, but uh, again. All right. I enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on the show. All right. Take Bye-bye. care. You too. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. All right. Am I floating in the room here, Cedric? Looks uh, like, yeah, kind of. Looks like it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that was Carol Shelby, ladies and gentlemen. The real Carol Shelby. There's no mistaking who that gentleman was. Wow. Hey, um, let's see. Well, you know what? While we're in some of these Shelbys, I want to talk about this uh, Shelby here. I went and looked at it here not too long ago. It belongs to a real good friend of mine by the name of Doug. And it is a beautiful, beautiful 68 Shelby GT500KR. Um, fastback. Gorgeous car. Now, he bought that car here a while back. I say a while back, probably, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, whenever it was. And uh, that's an amazing car. Now, you're all aware of the fact that we talk about the Crown Collector Car Auction. Matter of fact, we're going to have Chris on here. You know what you might want to do, Cedric? Go ahead and give him a call. Will do. Put Chris on standby. Will do. Because Chris, uh, even though this is a Shelby tribute show, and we did have Mr. Carroll Shelby on the show this evening. We're going to talk about Shelby's, obviously. And uh, But Chris happens to be at a little place down in St. Pete. Well, hanging out with a bunch of Corvette guys. So when we get him on the side here, we'll uh, bring him on. He's going to talk a little bit about his Crown Collector Car Auction. But back to the 68 Shelby. It belongs to Doug. Beautiful car. Acapulco blue. Black interior. Amazing car. It was a fairly good, clean, solid car to start with. It really looks like the only thing it had done to it was a minor upholstery touch-up and then some paint work on it. So, I mean, it was repainted, disassembled, and repainted. Now, if you guys remember, I was talking about this once before on the show, and that is when you guys buy these cars, there's no substitute for buying a good, clean, original, solid car. Now, granted, cars like Shelby's and Bosses and, you know, rare Corvettes and Z28s and stuff like that, those kind of cars are worth putting the money into and restoring them. They have to be brought back from the dead because they're such rare and unique cars. You get the run-of-the-mill car out there, do not waste the time and the money. I mean, unless, of course, it's in your budget. So I'm not to sell, not to sell anybody short, but, you know, it pays to buy a really, really, really nice car. Doug, you got a great car, and I hope you bring it to the Crown Collector Car Auction, and you auction it off here next month. So if you're out there, hey, hello to you. Don't forget, we got the Superboat races coming up, the Superboat National Championship races coming up at the end of the month here in Clearwater, okay? They're at the end of the month through, uh, I think it's September 28th through the 
the October 3rd or something like that. Okay, right here in Clearwater Beach. And, of course, uh, big thanks to uh, Frank Chevis, who owns all the restaurants down there, Baystar Restaurant Group. And it will be down here at Coachman Park, Baystar Village. So make sure you go out there first for, on the last Friday of the month. They're going to have a huge celebration out there, okay? And, then, of course, on Saturday, they're going to have the time trials. And then Sunday's the big races. Also, I want to thank Bob Shaw out in California of Operations Plus. Now, Bob... Is a, is a really, really cool guy. He's a Shelby guy, but he runs an organization that basically culminates all the past, present, and future Shelby guys, Shelby employees. And with his assistance, I was able to get a hold of uh, Carol Shelby. He is really, really on top of all the former Shelby employees and putting on some of the functions that, uh, that these guys get to enjoy and give them all the credit and notoriety that they deserve for putting together one of the greatest racing organizations in the world. We got Chris on standby. Hey, Chris, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Robert. So how's uh, how things in Pinellas Park? Pinellas Park is really happening. I'm standing here with my car of the Suncoast Corvette Association. Okay. Hello, who are you? Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. We just had a nice meal at the uh, Pete and Shorty's here. Okay. Well, good. We'll put that. Uh, tell, them, uh, tell them they owe us a sandwich for giving them a plug. <laughs> so tell us about your little group. What you got? Are you going to team up with uh, Chris and uh, have a bunch of guys drive cars in his auction? Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, pretty excited about it. Of course, we're a bunch of Corvette buffs and uh, looking forward to all seeing all the uh, Chevy uh, run through there. But there's some really fine rides that look like they're going to go through. We're pretty jazzed up about it. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, and how many how many members do you have in your club? Are you a local club? So, if somebody wants to, has a Corvette and they want to join your club, existing since '83, uh, coming up on our 30th uh, anniversary. It's pretty exciting. Uh, we're a club of uh, about 50, 51 uh, family memberships. So, we're looking at about 100, 102 people. Wow. Uh, of course, uh, we've got members with three, four, five rides. They're, they're pretty, pretty, pretty nice. Some of them are uh, two and three. I had two myself for a little while there, and now I'm down to one. So we, we kind of uh, move around ourselves in uh, terms of uh, coming in with new ones, going out with old ones, all kinds of stuff. Super. Now, what is some, what's the oldest car you got in your club locally here? The oldest, I think, was a 62. Okay. And uh, I haven't seen him in a little while, but I believe he's still running around in, a, in that 62. It's a sweet little run. Okay. It's kind of like the old cliche. Where were you in 62? In a Corvette, of course. Right? <laughs> exactly. We've got some 65s. We have 67. we got one that's a survivor since day one. Oh, he's, wow. Uh, Around in it, uh, it's a sweet little ride. Uh, we've got a couple of them actually. They're 60, 67, 60, I believe we have a 69, a few six, uh, C3s, 73, 72, and then of course, you know, there's the typical, you know, late, late 95, 90, you know, you're moving on to the C6s, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Hey, Chris, you having a good time down there? Uh, I'm having a great time. These are a great bunch of guys, and I can't wait to uh, get them all at the auction and get them uh, into these great cars we're going to have running across the block. Did you run across any cool cars this week? Got any, uh, got any new uh, additions? Yeah, I Some... got the Bob Hope Special. Uh, it's a Mercury that has about 12 different car parts put up, put together on it to make a custom. Oh, no kidding. This is a special one-off Bob Hope Special, then, is what you're saying. Yes, it is a one-off car. It was done by a gentleman that is, was the chip foos of his time in the 50s. Oh, no kidding. So go ahead and plug, your, uh, plug the Crown Collector Car Auction again. Give us the info, the dates, and the phone number, Chris. All right, you want me to plug it? I'll plug it for you. Absolutely. Right. Everybody listening, you've got to come down to Tampa Bay Fairgrounds uh, out on I-4, East Tampa, this October 14th and 15th. We're going to be putting on a wonderful auction and car show. 
We're going to have about 200 of the finest cars the country has to offer. And the show dates start at 4 p.m. The auction starts on Friday the 14th and 10 in the morning on Saturday the 15th. And if you want to consign your car or even better yet, register to bid on one of those beauties, you got to go to www.crowncollectorcars.com or call me at 855-552-7696 and I'll fill you in with all the necessary info. Super. Hey, the Corvette guys there, um, how many of those guys showed up this evening? Uh, we, had, we probably have about 20, 25 people at the table. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. Do they do they meet like once a month? Is this a once a month get-together? It's a once a month. Uh, uh, well, we actually have a dine-out once a month, and then, of course, we have our regular meeting once a month. And uh, depending on how busy you are, uh, nice times of the year, we'll, we'll do three, four things in a month. We're a pretty busy group. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. Do you always go to the same location to have your meetings, or are you receptive to other places as well? Uh, we, we generally meet at the Largo Rec Center uh, on the on the first uh, Wednesday of the month. And then uh, the third Wednesdays, we do our dine-outs, and they're all over the Pinellas County area. Well, super. Uh, we like to hop around and ride around. Okay, because the, um, the reason you know, I was... If you use our website, suncoastcorvette.com, you can see all the stuff that we do. We, we do quite a bit. Okay. Well, one of my sponsors is the Rib Shack Barbecue in, Cle- in downtown Largo. Okay, those, and a great bunch of guys. i got to say thanks to Jed and all those guys over there, and Gito and everybody, and Corey and Kirk, because every, every, every Wednesday before I go to the show, I always stop by there and get a couple sandwiches on the way in. But nonetheless, they're looking to uh, maybe do some sort of show, and what I'm thinking about doing, if you guys meet on Wednesdays, I could do a live remote from that location. Would you guys be interested in doing that? Absolutely, it'd be a blast. Okay, well, let's uh, we'll talk about that. Give Chris the particulars and stuff like that. Maybe in a month or two down the road, we could set something up. Yeah, we're all about that. Sure. Okay, good. We get some radio exposure. Get you guys on. Talk about your cars, uh, and that's a great place to eat too. I mean, it's barbecue. I mean, it's the best barbecue in town. It's super. Well, it's Corvette Club Scout. We like to eat. Okay, that's <laughs> we all love to eat. Okay. All right, hey Chris, we already got a couple minutes left. I'm going to say goodbye, and because uh, I got a couple men- uh, uh, things to mention real quick, but Chris. Uh, maybe I'll see you a little bit later, but I'll call you after the show. I want to thank your uh, Corvette guys for coming on the air. I want to thank Carol Shelby for coming on the air. I want to thank Cedric for doing a fantastic job this evening. And, uh, Chris, uh, I'll call you a little bit later. Okay, buddy? All right, great. Okay. Take care. Hey, thanks, for, th- thanks a lot, guys. And, uh, you know, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I, I cannot thank Carol Shelby enough. I know I'm biased. I know I'm partial. But, hey, what can I say? Uh, but I want you, everybody to tune into the show next week, okay? We may be doing a live remote from Krabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. I'm not 100% sure yet. But my guest next week is Scotty Begovich, which is the throttle man for the Miss Geico Superboat, okay? That's going to be out there running close to 200 miles an hour out in front of Clearwater Beach. So be sure and show up for the Superboat races next week. Scotty Begovich from the, driving the Miss Geico boat. And everybody, in the meantime, drive carefully, stay safe. And, uh, you know, take care of your family, man. You know, be good, be safe, be smart, and we'll see you next week. All right, run those commercials, and then uh, we're out of here. Hey, listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great pizza shop right here in downtown Clearwater, Bro's Pizzeria, voted number one in the city of Clearwater. They're located at 547 South Fort Harrison Avenue. They have great New York-style pizza, as well as delicious lasagna, spaghetti and meatballs, manicotti, linguine. And if you're in the neighborhood for lunch, they have great hot and cold sandwiches and appetizers. So call 727-441-6025 for takeout and deliveries, or stop by for a veal parmesan dinner and a nice glass of vino. That's Bro's Pizzeria. Check out their website and watch my friend Olti create a spectacular pizza before your very eyes. 
What would you like on your pizza? Call Bro's Pizzeria, 727-441-6025. That's 727-441-6025. And tell them Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business, and often I need cars towed. Well, Kotaka's Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Kotaka's Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full-service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call at Kotaka's Towing at 727-447-1952. And be sure to mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a discount. Yeah. 